This podcast is called Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest get some secrets off their chest. You should listen. It's the best. Hello and welcome to Obsessed with me, Joseph Scrimshaw. I'm sitting in my home with a great person, a teacher, a game designer, a podcaster, and a friend of mine, Richard Molina Weber. How's it going? Good. How are you? Good. I'm so happy you have me on. <laughs> Absolutely. You were on uh, not too long ago to talk about game theory, which was a fascinating episode. Well, good. I'm glad you thought so. I had a great time. <laughs> good. I learned a lot, and I got extra mad at that guy on Twitter, so it was oh, perfect. That guy is still posting. He is. And I saw, I, this was at least a couple of months ago, or maybe a month ago, where he had another one that was something like, not time for game theory not the famous one but like game theory exclamation point like i thought of you and i thought of your anger (laughs) i had it i had it that moment (laughs) well we're going to talk about something that hopefully won't be uh uh, is angering game theory of course you love but that guy that guy angering (laughs) Go back and listen to that Game Theory one, listeners, if you have not, because it's great. Uh, but this time around, we are going to talk about game mastering role-playing games. Yes. And I have to start right away, okay. right away, with do you prefer the more generic game master, or do you prefer the D&D-specific dungeon master? Intriguing question. <laughs> so in I, I used to run the Pathfinder role-playing game in a very official setting, so it had to be Game Master. Okay. Because Dungeon Master is copyrighted. Oh, that is copyrighted. It it's is. not just a tradition. Okay. Yeah. Um, some s- systems use Storyteller, and I'm okay with that, too. Yeah, but I mean, I, I say this in all love is, is a Storyteller. I've hosted <laughs> multiple Storytelling shows. Storyteller makes it sound like, gather around the campfire. <laughs> If you have any little uh, drums you'd like to play, we're going to tell a sense, like, I don't know. In in that sense, I'm going to go with Game Master. Okay. I think it's fine. I'm good. Okay. Yeah. But now, is that because uh, of the technicality, or in your heart, are you a Dungeon Master or a Game Master? I think that I'm a Game Master. Okay. I really, I like a lot of different systems. And because it is so specific, I'd rather be more generic. I'd rather be open to new things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I mean, I think Dungeon Master is fascinating. I do because too. Because obviously it's the, the legally, as you just told me, specific to Dungeons and Dragons. But also Game Master sounds like what it actually is. Like right. somebody who is planning things out, pulling the strings, playing God. Dungeon Master could just be anybody who has you locked in a basement. <laughs> it has that sort of... <laughs> accidental double meaning that is true or like the old cartoon which i didn't watch enough because my parents were not down with that okay <laughs> but <laughs> they uh, think you were gonna get all satined up by watching it absolutely okay. absolutely but i do remember that there was this moment where where the dungeon master like you get this deeper voice you're like i am the dungeon master <laughs> and i don't i'm not good at that <laughs> i like things just you know light and fun so let's, okay. let's play a game <laughs> <laughs> that could also be creepy though let's play a game oh that's fair Ooh. I gotta uh, work on my intros. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I get to find out, and I want to tell my listeners that that's part of the reason that I wanted to do this episode. Uh, you and I have just been kind of talking casually a little bit here and there about how games work uh, and how how much story, how much game there is, blah blah blah. But also, you invited me to play a game of Dungeons and Dragons. I have played many role playing games. I have done multiple comedy sketches and stand up bits involving Dungeons and Dragons. I've never actually technically played Dungeons and Dragons. So you're going to be my first dungeon master. And I felt like this is perfect. I'm going to talk to my dungeon master (laughs) about how he does it before we play the game. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited too. First of all, I was, I was surprised when you had said you had never played Dungeons and Dragons before. Yeah. I know you've played a bunch of other games and you're part of the world and everything. (laughs) And I just, you know, at some level, I Part of my brain is like, everybody's played by now. But that's totally not true at all. I'm just very deep in the world. (laughs) Yeah, I had to really scan my brain. And then when I was talking to more people about, like, super modern Dungeons & Dragons, uh, I was realizing, wow, I I am a little out of my knowledge uh, depth than I thought I was. So I'm really happy to dive in and figure out more about how it all works from the player side and during this podcast from the dungeon master side or the game master side. But uh, for the point of the podcast, let's go back to the beginning for you. When was the first game you game mastered? When was it? What was it? I, I started playing myself, I think in middle school, like sixth grade, probably. Okay. And as I got into high school, I had a regular game master, so I didn't have to. Or someone who was like, I'm going to run every game. Okay. And I'm pretty sure 
during that period, I said I would run one, and it probably didn't go very well. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I was still learning. But once I got into college, then it was like, you know, now we're on equal footing. Okay, you can play in my game, but I need you to run a game next week. Oh, it was like a a back and forth, like the community, like, hey, one time I bring the booze, the next time you bring the booze, except we're with Dungeons and Dragons. Which also meant we played basically every single weekend. Okay. At least once. <laughs> <laughs> At least once a weekend, sometimes yeah. more. <laughs> We've had, we had some big weekends. Were these people that you had been playing with in high school and then you went to college with? Or were, did you get to college and have to sniff out the other gamers? I did. I had to find the University of Oregon Gaming Club. <laughs> is that a real thing? It is a real thing. Well, it was at the very least. Yeah. And let's see what happened. We went... And I tracked down this secret group in a basement, and we played <laughs> We played a, a game called Claydonia. Okay. Which is a game where you take a tub of Play-Doh, you make a monster, and you can trade colors with other people if you want to, but it has to be a fair trade. And at the end of it, you look at your monster and go like, I think you have like 10 hit points, and I think your punches would do this much damage, and pick a special power, like... You know, I get really close to you, so I get to lift your Play-Doh monster off the board and then drop it from a five-foot height. And so it was this weird, like, strategy game. It wasn't Warhammer or anything like that. But it was was definitely, ooh, how far can I move and how close can I get? Well, I better add more feet, stuff like that. (laughs) And it was really bizarre, and I was immediately like, oh, I found them. (laughs) I found my weirdos. I have come home. (laughs) They want to play with Play-Doh and then be persnickety about the rules. Oh, so seriously. (laughs) There was one ability called bite where you had to actually physically bite the other. <laughs> like you didn't make your, you bit the Play-Doh or you oh, bit you. the other human? Oh, ooh, no, interesting. Didn't go think <laughs> about that way. You have to bite the Play-Doh creation and like tear a huge chunk out of it, okay. spit it up into the air, <laughs> throw it back down. Really letting some emotions out, the yeah. Oregon Gaming Society. What was it called? Yeah, the, the University of Oregon Gaming Club. Gaming Club. Gaming Club. Nice. Okay, so you're, you're playing in, in high school, and I imagine that that's the sort of standard role-playing adventure. It, it was opening your mind to oh, yeah. being someone else, all that kind of normal stuff. When you were playing in high school, were you thinking, I want to be on the other side? Yeah. It's kind of nice to be able to tell the story, I think, yeah. and come up with exactly what you want to have happen. I remember one game. This is the game... I will always remember it wasn't my first game, but it was the high school game. Okay. And it was, there were only two of us who could make it that game. And that's the way it went in high school. I guess you yeah. just played anyways. And my friend, the DM was like, okay, so you're walking through a forest and a squirrel comes up <laughs> and starts talking to you. And I was like, oh, super cool. I'm a ranger. A squirrel's talking to me. Let's do this. Tell me what you need me to do. And my friend was like, well, I'm a fighter. Squirrels shouldn't talk. And he, uh, he ended that squirrel. He killed the squirrel? He did. He did. Who is this person? I will will give you his information. (laughs) Okay, I want to make sure I'm not accidentally (laughs) friends with him on Facebook. I'll unfriend him right now. so hard. For squirrel murder. (laughs) Um, And I just, I wanted to fix, not fix it, but you know, if you're on the other side, you can say like, well, the squirrel tells you everything before that happens, or the squirrel is protected from that sort of attack or yeah. it's too high in the tree or something yeah and i just wanted that power <laughs> <laughs> so it was the power you saw something like a superhero you saw a bad person do something wrong right in my opinion right. Uh-huh. quickly murdering a squirrel with valuable information yeah you're like i need to make this right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh and then you said that first game you you uh game mastered or dungeon mastered didn't go well I don't think it did. I mean, I really can't remember. I know we must have done it because I heard about it. Okay. But I think it happened, you know, it was just a few of us and maybe we played for an hour or two. Okay. So it wasn't like this intense. You designed the campaign for six months. It was just a sort of, I'll give this a shot. No, that came later. Okay. (laughs) So uh, when did that start to come? Did that start to come in college when you really were able to like get your feet under you and feel like I can be the one who tells the story now? Yeah, I think in college I got to a point where I realized that a bunch of my friends owned Lots of books. Okay. And I didn't own any at all. Oh, really? <laughs> Until then, yeah. I had just played and, you know, used other people's books and their yeah. dice and whatever else and didn't have any of that. But college, it was like, oh, I could, I might go and get some of these books. And so I grabbed the birthright setting for second edition D&D. Okay. Which is still one of my favorite settings in the world. And it's your, the rulers of a country and in this huge sea of countries and everyone's at war all the time and there are big monsters who run certain nations and there are other nations that might be your friends oh nice and so there's a lot of 
political intrigue in the whole thing. It's not just go down a, into a dungeon and fight things. It's yeah. like you got to run your country. Like, do you want to do you want to fix? Do you want bigger walls? Do you want to <laughs> you know deal with infrastructure? Do you yeah. want a thieves guild? Healthcare for everyone? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it was so great. And so they're trying to build their own utopia, and then trying to make their friends. Um, better friends or take over the neighbor nation, which was kind of jerks to them the whole time. Yeah. And, you know, meanwhile, all these other things are happening on the horizon. And so I found myself writing a newspaper in between sessions to let them know what the rest <laughs> of the world was doing. So and, you really were being the storyteller. You were yeah. really constructing the world. Yeah. And I, I enjoyed that because that, that game was all about what do you want to do next? Yeah. And I needed to make sure they had so many options that's that they had things they wanted to do and goals that they cared about so it was like the total opposite of the railroading where you get you sometimes you play a game in in the game master gently lets you know like you have to open this shining <laughs> blinking door or nothing else will ever happen right again yeah i mean i've certainly had that experience where game masters are trying to follow a game module Mm-hmm. And they've gotten as creative as they can, and the players are just being idiots. <laughs> and pretty soon they're just like, well, a gust of wind shoves you to the goddamn door. I <laughs> I've been there. <laughs> I, have, I have written and run an adventure that was just one hallway. <laughs> okay. And it kind of spirals around as you get to the <laughs> next encounter. You just keep going, and that's that's it. I've run those. Okay. Um, those are fun, too. But this one, I did want to give a lot of options. I mean, I... I mean, railroading is tough because yeah. I do it anyways. And it's more like in my newspaper, I make sure to say that this is a very bad person who's doing very bad things. <laughs> and as we're playing, you know, I'll key into that pretty easily. So they could do some other things, but they all kind of know that I have a story in mind. I have a place I want them to go. Yeah. And I let them choose to go there. Okay. But... I mean, that's really all I've prepared anyway. So if they don't, we're in a lot of trouble. <laughs> <laughs> so what was the most joyful part of that? When you've got this elaborate game that's got a rich ideas of world building and political intrigue. Was it the developing all of those hints and clues, the newspaper? Or is the true joy when the players are in the moment and the story is actually happening? It's, I would say it's in the moment. I really like preparing. I over-prepare. I write a lot. <laughs> I think the, the campaign I'm running right now, we have played 12 sessions. We played okay. last night, and that was our 12th session. And I think I've written... I mean, first I published an adventure based on it. <laughs> but other than that, I think I have maybe 30 pages of notes that I've written just for this. And Damn. I, I, I like to write about what I want to have happen. And that one's, it's not total sandbox, but but it's in the moment, you know, when they yeah. get to see those those dreams and paths and goals when they start being fulfilled. I think that's incredible. I love it when stuff goes wrong. <laughs> I think that's so much fun. Um, I like it when they figure out the thing that I hid there that I was like, nah, maybe they'll get this. Oh, and wow. That's very rewarding for me. Is that when you hide things, is it? clues to get to the next step or do you mean like uh flavor things what kind of things do people find a little bit of both you know i want to make sure in in the one i'm running right now it's it's fairly linear but i'm not leading the story i guess i mean there's there's a lot of stuff and so when they go here they might learn a fact that will lead them to where i want them to go eventually like episodes in the future (laughs) okay but but it's not quite just hand it to them. Yeah. So I do like it when they're like, oh, I'm actually going to search this room. I'm going to go find this thing. And they roll high enough that they do find this secret book. You know, of course, there's a journal here somewhere or something yeah. like that. I like it when um, when they talk to a villain and they decide that they want to engage with that character instead of just immediately rolling initiative <laughs> and you know, drawing their swords. Yeah. But they want to try and get information out of them. And, uh, and they get to taunt each other for a while. I love that stuff. Um, because then I can start throwing things in and just be like, oh yeah, this villain actually knows a thing that you'll eventually learn later on or something or can push you in a direction. Right. I love that stuff. Give you a hint. You, uh, mentioned early on voices. How much for (laughs) being a game master is for you getting to play all the NPCs? I really enjoy that. I'm not good at it. I will, (laughs) I will put that right out there. That's the thing I'm not good at. I, um... You know, 
critical role is doing so well right now. And a big, I, I think a big part of that is that Matthew Mercer can do voices. And yeah. I think that's so enthralling and engaging. And I suck at it. Like, <laughs> I just, I do not have that skill. And so I, I try to kind of come up with, you know, different things to say for different people, like different different ways to do dialogue. Okay. I'm, I'm never, I, I am not going to do a voice. I just can't. Yeah. Just can't. <laughs> yeah. Well, how much, how actorly are you? Because I have a game master that I played called Cthulhu with forever. Mm-hmm. In some voices, he did really, really well. Uh, but some, like, uh, this was, some of the Call of Cthulhu was, like, in the 1920s. And sometimes we'd be like, we're in Shanghai. I'm not doing an accent. Okay. Uh, you know, I'm just, yeah. or, you know, even, I think uh, I, I played a, a Belgian guy for a while. And, like, none of us were like, yeah, we don't need to do cheesy, bad <laughs> Belgian accents. But he really did a great job of always playing, like, the intent of the character. So he, yes. he would be, he would play a soft, menacing character. Or if it was somebody who's, like, drugged up and on something, he would just really be, like... So it wasn't doing voices. It was more like actorly. Do you enjoy doing that? I do. I like that a lot. And I, you know, I, again, probably am not the best at it, but I try. <laughs> but I do want, you know, I usually keep things a little lighter so it's easier. You know, this this character can be the ridiculous, like, what did I have? I had a villain who was basically out of Gallivants or something. Some very, very ridiculous over-the-top princess bride villain who <laughs> you're going to hate terribly. They're just going to be mean to everyone. And that stuff is a lot of fun. I like playing characters who are serious, who do have things they want to get across, you know, playing the the NPCs who have just lost something or someone, you know, yeah. they need help. Um, I think it's important to do that kind of intensity so that they know, that oh, these are the stakes right here. Um, otherwise, we're just rolling dice and, and hanging out. And I want, I want those players to get involved. I want right. them to be able to say, I saved that person. I'm going to keep talking to that person for the next, like, five months of game time, you know? Yeah. I'm just going to... I've built a relationship. I want to keep that going. I think those things are really important. And so I guess I don't want to trivialize those characters because then they won't do it. You know, right. I want them to really invest and get in. So Yeah, you want them to, to really some. hate a specific villain or really want to help a certain person or really be annoyed by an NPC who won't give them <laughs> the information. So can do you mind giving me a little sample? Oh, my of, gosh. Of, uh, so let's say you were playing that squirrel. <laughs> Who really wanted to communicate that it had something important we needed to know? What would it sound like if the squirrel? What would the squirrel say? Uh, it said something something along the lines of like I, I really, you know, I really need you to listen to me, kind of thing. Oh gosh, now I just want to do a voice, but I can't do it. You I can't. Can. I will not. You I will can. Not. <laughs> so, what would the the squirrel be saying? The squirrel, you know, sometimes it's I, I don't always do the whole dialogue. Sometimes it's like okay, so the squirrel comes up and is 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 leaning out on the edge of a tree branch, and you see it kind of lift up onto its front paws and, like, stick its head out forward a little bit and look over the edge at you, trying to keep itself safe behind the branch. And it just looks you right in the eyes and says, I need your help. (laughs) I'm just a squirrel. I can't save everyone on my own. (laughs) That's very successful. Incredibly emotional. Uh, But that's great to know that. So you are using all of the the tools of storytelling. So it's not just like voice actor, like, I can be the best squirrel ever, whatever. Uh, That's not the best squirrel ever. But not trying to do a voice for everybody, but building it with that image. Uh, right. That's great. Right. I mean, that's just like great writerly stuff to be like, uh, to communicate. It's peaking <laughs> above something for safety tells well, you so much. Thank you. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> I think it's fun. And I love because then, you know, that also gives whenever a, a DM or a, GM, a game master gets to do that sort of <laughs> stuff, um, you get to teach the players how to do the same thing. And I, I have played with a lot of new players. That's that's a thing that I was part of organized play for Pathfinder, which okay. is... I sit at a table in a game store and strangers come to me and I will oh. lead them on an adventure. <laughs> and this you said you were officially working for Pathfinder yeah. at some point. So this is it. So, yeah. so you take people who've never done this before. A lot, a lot. And, and and sometimes it's, you know, sometimes they have played different games, so they're ready for this one. Some have never role played. Some are here with a friend and that friend is teaching them the rules very wrong. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so there's a lot of levels. Some people are, you know, really good. And in an environment like that, it's interesting because a player will come in and maybe they're a strong role player, but they're not used to playing with a group very well. Okay. They're used to being like, here's why I'm really cool and you should all remember me. Right. That's how I do it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but it was trying to like lead all those people in and get, you know, get this engaging story out of everyone. And it took it took a ton of work. That was that was a uh, an educational experience. <laughs> yeah. 
I feel like that I have been getting that educational experience uh, doing the this monthly show that that you come to very often, uh, yeah. almost every time. Uh, <laughs> game night variety show where I ro- run a little ten minute. It tries to be ten minutes. It's usually a little longer. Uh, role playing game, <laughs> often with people who've never role played. And yeah. the hardest thing is always to get them to play the characters and like invest in being the character. Right. Everybody's right. instinct is to just be like, um, I do the thing. Yep. And not to, it's funny that that's the thing that people are the most shy about. Yeah. Because I think when it comes right down to it, you know, if we're playing a game, if I'm running the game, I've got the rules. I don't always have all the rules, but let's say <laughs> I'm at least right about everything. Yeah. That's the that's the framework <laughs> we play under. Exactly. If uh, we both get it wrong, but I say it's fine, then it's fine. So but that's kind of a great guide for, for players then, because then you don't have to worry about that stuff. You know, yeah. if I don't know how the, the thing that my character does works, cool, whatever. Like, just just have fun. Just go with it. Just talk. Just play. And uh, we'll get the rules later. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> As I, we go. <laughs> there is a comfort in that. And every once in a while in games that I've played, I would, like, it would it would erupt that the game master was maybe really being like, we do need to go over here. I can't let you succeed on the thing you're trying to do. And sure. uh, some players would get fussy about like, but what what did I just roll against? Because I'm pretty sure that my roll made it. And with different couple different game masters I've played with, they have gotten very firm. And every once in a while as a player, that can be frustrating of feeling like, <laughs> I think I did the right thing. I think I did something clever and I think I rolled well. So can't why can't I get what I want? But there's also this strange uh, comfort in... I, I a couple times I had one particular friend just say, "No, I am God, and blank is true." Like whatever we uh-huh. were talking about. Sure, yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. yeah. And that would be the end of it. It's I love all the stories that are like, "You went that way, all right." A block falls on your head, like a huge cement block, <laughs> and that's it. It's over. We're done. Um, and I'm always like, "How? What's going on oh, right yeah. now? Like, how, what led to that?" <laughs> yeah, that, that's maybe a bad example. <laughs> uh, but I did want to ask you about. Uh, your frustrations with players. Ooh, so we talked a little bit about that. That's a natural, uh, I think, learning or arc for people to really play the characters and describe the world themselves. Yeah. But is there something that players do that actively annoys you? Hmm. What do you what's the worst thing that players do to you as a game master? I'm gonna I'm gonna start this by saying first of all that you will be playing in a game with me. <laughs> that uh, my partner is in a game with me. So I don't want. <laughs> I'm not calling anyone out here. Okay, fair enough. Because <laughs> um, a lot of things don't bother me. I mean, I think it's, I have i don't even know how many hours I've GM'd at this point. It's yeah. really hard to say. I was thinking about it the other day. If that whole like 10,000 hours makes you an expert, like I might be an expert now. Oh, I'm not, nice. I don't know. <laughs> That's kind of terrifying. <laughs> Uh, that birthright campaign I ran for eight years. That seems pretty close to 10,000 hours. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, you're better at me than math, but those both sound like long times. Let's say yes. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so so there's been a lot of experiences with a lot of different players, and I, I think it has helped me grow patience. Also, being a teacher has helped with that. So yeah. I'm not the best person for this question, because <laughs> I'll just be like, just, we'll figure it out. It's okay. Um, I think one of the hardest things about running a game is when you run a game for players who don't engage. That's okay. I mean, that's it. That's... That's such an easy thing to point at is just players who come and they sit down and they're they're here because someone asked them to be here or they wanted to check it out, but they don't like it or something like that. Yeah. But games are pretty optional. So it's not like that comes up very regularly. <laughs> right. So you can kind of prod them as a game master, right? And then even if they don't respond to that, like eventually they'll go along with the party and they'll, they'll encounter something they have to deal with. Yeah. Or they'll just sit there quietly and I'll be fine. <laughs> we'll move on. <laughs> I ran a game uh, for, I think, nine players, I think, Damn. was the largest I ever had. And it might have been more than that. And there were a couple of players that were kind of like that. It was a huge group, so it was hard to be engaged all the time. Everybody yeah. wanted to do different things. And uh, trying to bring them all together was the good thing. That felt good. Made me feel good. And there were a couple people who were just like, nah. And I was like, all right. <laughs> okay. So I think that's, that's a problem. Um, but it's a solvable problem. Yeah. People who don't engage don't often continue <laughs> yeah so that's okay how do you feel about the opposite end of the spectrum the person who is maybe there mostly for wish fulfillment mostly to just be like kill things level up feel awesome how do you and maybe does that to the detriment of the story or the other players how do you deal with that player one of my 
<laughs> All right. <laughs> so I think that is definitely a fun other problem. Uh, I had one example of that, which was, uh, I remember this guy and we were, I was at PaizoCon, which is the, they run Pathfinder. Okay. So they have a convention that you just play Pathfinder for three days. That's it. Um, three sessions a day, every day. Take a shower, please. <laughs> And it was really interesting because I remember playing with this one guy who said, I am playing a diplomat. And then he wouldn't say anything. <laughs> we were like, what? I thought you were, what are you doing? Like, we just did this intro. We all met each other and he was just said he was a diplomat and then he moved on. And uh, we got to a point where we actually needed to talk to an NPC about, I don't, who knows what, doesn't yeah. matter. And that person said, I talked to him and then rolled a dice. <laughs> uh... And said, well, I only rolled a seven, but I had 35 to that. And I, you know, this is what my character does. I'm a diplomat. And then sat back down. (laughs) Wow. And so it became this moment where someone had built this character to do one thing and to do it very well. But what wasn't really interested in doing the thing at the yeah. same time. So the it took away from everyone's sense of play because obviously it was successful. So yeah. I need to move on to phase two because they had chosen to act and they did it and it worked. So I can't just be like, okay, well... <laughs> roll it back 10 minutes and before you walk in we have this whole cool interaction uh we just have to keep moving and organized play in particular makes people make characters that way yeah so you do make a character that can kill everything in one round and then anyone who can't do that just well i'm glad you came (laughs) thanks for being here you know make a joke yeah (laughs) that's about it and it's it's a it's a tricky one but we've we've talked about it a lot like I, i Got a big DM community. Sorry, game master community. It's hard. <laughs> They're the same. They're so similar. Same. Sorry for injecting this, but yes. <laughs> but uh, but talking about how to deal with players like that, the best thing for me is when I started interacting with other people who were running games and came across the same problems. And then we were like, "How do we fix this?" Yeah. And you know, the question is, do we need to fix that? Does you know, do we talk to someone on high and say like, "You can't do that. Make them stop." Or yeah. do we? How do we work around them? How do we? How do we build up an encounter anyways? How do we still talk to people? Like, what, yeah. how do we make sure that everybody gets the most fun the way they want to have fun? Mm. Because I also don't want to say, you are having fun wrong. Stop it. <laughs> That's really awesome. Yeah. yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, do you, in general, is a game master, after an experience like that with the diplomacy, have people even at least attempt to do the thing that they are allegedly skillful at. Yes. Yeah. And I remember doing that in, I did that in high school all the time. I was like, I'm going to talk to that person. I'm going to talk to them all day long. I talk and talk and talk. And it's so good because I am charming. My character is a charisma of four. (laughs) (laughs) And then so, yeah, I'm, I have no business doing anything like that. Yeah. Um, But it's fun to do. So you want to do it because, you know, I was in that place where I wanted to do it. I still do that. Yeah. But, um, uh, it's, it's hard to kind of, split those things up sometimes it's also the same thing like um i made my character is a big barbarian isn't smart at all but i'm gonna solve that puzzle real quick everybody hang out <laughs> <laughs> that's one of the things that i love most about this storytelling where it injects sometimes it doesn't feel realistic mm-hmm. because it is more random than the actual storytelling we're used to but yeah. i think is actually technically more realistic because incredibly random things <laughs> happen that's yeah. my favorite i remember one time i had uh I was trying to persuade someone in Call of Cthulhu, and I just rambled. I didn't do a good job in like my actual vocalizing, <laughs> but then I I killed it with the role, and like so, in everybody around the table laughs, and then like the game master is just like, you remind her of her favorite drunk uncle, and so <laughs> she go like I feel like it's a fun opportunity sometimes when yeah. the the attempt at the performance doesn't necessarily match the role. Absolutely. And you also, you don't want someone who is in a situation where their character is not good at something to never do that thing. Because yeah. it's not, that's not fun. And sometimes you do want that random thing. You want the, the barbarian to magically pick a lock or you want the wizard <laughs> to kick a door down. <laughs> I always want wizards to kick a door down. Every day. I love that stuff. Uh, along those lines, I wanted to ask, do you think for you is story or game more important ultimately? Oh, wow. I... I have played a lot of different games, so I think the story is really important. Okay. And that is, I think that's very tricky. Like, the the game is a good way to, and all those games, I mean, they're just about 
reinforcing a method of play so that we can tell that story together. Yeah. I know what you said about storytelling, but I'm a big fan of, <laughs> of you know, role-playing games as cooperative storytelling moments. Yeah. Like, I love that. And that doesn't mean that if someone says, like, I do this super cool thing and then they roll a four, that I'm going to let it happen. You know? Right. The, the, the system is there to guide us through it. But but the story is really important for me that it happens. You know, I don't I don't write villains with the intent that they're going to win very often. Okay. Um, it's possible. You know, I might have an escape route. I'd probably come up with that on the fly because <laughs> if I'm putting the players in a place where they're going to go fight a villain, I mean, the villain's going to lose. That's <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's what you pretty, want to happen, right? right? Now there you... can be consequences or something else wacky going on, but... Okay. But have, you, uh, have you been a killer? Have you killed lots of players? Or... In... Yeah. <laughs> in organized play, I definitely have. Um, so Pathfinder organized play, this is the most fun I've ever had. I love this game. I think it's so cool. I, I learned so much, but you can't, you're not allowed to cheat. Okay. Like as, you just as a, do exactly what the numbers tell you to yes. do. Yes. And if, if a player dies because of it, fine. You know, they, I don't write the monsters. I don't write the encounters. I just, you know, make them happen. Yeah. So... There have been multiple times when, like, oh, sorry, everybody, this is just a tough encounter. Like, it's said at the top, it's hard, you maybe don't want to do this one, I let yeah. you know. But you came here, and just, this is what happens. And I've, I've definitely taken down entire parties. Um, I've taken down individuals. That game has a lot of, you know, once you go to a certain level, there's, like, you know, resurrection and stuff on the table. So characters aren't, aren't gone forever, but... There's, uh, there's some points where, you know, at low level, you don't want to do that a whole lot, because... You're already playing someone who doesn't have a whole lot of skills. So yeah. <laughs> you also don't want to like die and have to make a new character. But it's also, it's just so, it's such a derailment. Like, if if we're playing for the first time and your character, who I, I know their first name. I don't know their last name. I don't know where they're from. And they die, like, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but it comes to this point where, like, well, now I want it to be on the table. Now it's important. Because, you know, that character, you've been playing together for a year. If that character dies, what does that mean? Like, yeah. How does that affect everyone else? Those are their stakes yeah. now, and that's good yeah. storytelling. Now there's a story, and that's that stuff is amazing for me. Yeah. Um, Do you feel like you will, uh, and I know you said that you like to have fun games. So you, you're not, like, grimdark putting putting characters through torture <laughs> and all that uh but do you feel like you would ever kill characters because the story demands it and that sort of fights against the game part we're like mm. uh, i i really like what you're saying about trying to give people the experience they want yeah but sometimes people come and want to have the fun experience of oh there are some ups and downs but ultimately i cut the orc's head off with my uh two blade sword axe and i feel awesome <laughs> mm -hmm. but the story would be more honest and more pure if that character failed how do you feel like feel when you're in those moments those i think are a lot of fun because <laughs> players don't experience them very often yeah. like the the encounters you're supposed to run away from the ones that you you get there and you see the threat and you're like i gandalf take it you <laughs> jump off a bridge, do whatever. I'm out of here. <laughs> no cave troll for me today, sir. Yeah, and I, I love that stuff. And it's when it comes up, it's unexpected because that's not really how the game works. You know, yeah. it kind of is. But the way D&D in particular is set up is if you see a threat, you're supposed to be able to take it down. Yeah. Like that's not, it just keeps building and building. You know, it's very rare that you'll see a monster and be like, hmm, maybe I'll come back later after that <laughs> has destroyed more of the countryside or whatever. And not very heroic. Yeah, like. yeah. You want to be as heroic as possible all the time. You can eat two villages until I get stronger. Then yeah. I'll come back. Yeah. <laughs> but I will say that uh, a game that I enjoy a lot is uh, Phoenix Dawn Command Okay. Uh, by Keith Baker. And it is a game where you level up only when your character dies. You're you're a phoenix and you Ooh. can come back seven times. Okay. And each time you come back, you come back stronger. And so that game tells you, hey, what you're doing is you're playing like Starship Troopers, basically. You're going to jump in. It's going to be a nightmare. You're probably going to die. It's okay. <laughs> uh, it's okay up to seven times. Yeah, right. And then, it, then it's a big problem. But it's about, you know, deciding it's time for me to make a heroic sacrifice. And that's a totally different story. And it's yeah. amazing. And it's it's built for those kind of moments. So then, of course, like I, I'm going to make it that as hard as possible. You okay. Know? I want you to succeed. But if you don't, there's going to be consequences. We're going to write that in. That's part of the, the game as well is 
you know, what if you don't beat this monster because it was just too strong yeah. and you, you rolled poorly or, you know, you didn't manage to, to find victory. But there's a lot of ways to, like, put together a team in order to, to yeah. find victory. So it's it's kind of, that's a game designed to be very hard. It is kind of that, it's not quite a meat grinder, but it's it's up there. It's well, difficult. Yeah. I mean, it <laughs> seems like if the goal is to die at yeah. the right time, I'd call that a meat grinder. Yeah, that's fair. There, <laughs> a phoenix grinder. Yeah. There, there are rules in there for like, what if your character's too good and they never die? Um, they're really, really strong. And they make it through everything. And there's stuff like, well, just make up something in the middle. Like, on your way back home, uh, something happened. You level up. <laughs> it's really funny to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I'm sorry. Oh, no, go ahead. I just D&D is, is a, a difficult way to tell that story yeah. because character death is so meaningful. We, you know, if, if your character dies and, and we get a new character, do I, we get to split all your treasure? Do you get new treasure? Like what happens to your stuff? Like that's right. you got magic stuff, right? <laughs> and if you join at to a higher level group at too low of a level, mm-hmm. then you're just sort of dragging along, right. not, not helping as much, right? And if I put you at a high level, like, how did you get there? What what did you do that made you so cool? These other people are like demigods now. What were you doing? We never heard of you. Yeah. How are you a demigod <laughs> yeah. of diplomacy? What did you say to get that? Uh. Um, how much do you like, and this is just a kind of a, a crunchy thing. I know different uh, game masters have different philosophy about how much the uh, players are responsible for knowing their stats or how much you Ooh. keep it a mystery where you just... You roll, you tell me the number so the player stays totally in the world, or are you more like you want the players to roll and you want them to know their dexterity and you want them to know whether or not they succeeded in report to you and that kind of thing? Gotcha. I think for the most part, I want I want players to be in control of themselves because that's, okay. that's a lot of responsibility. Like, I just don't have time. I got a story to tell. Um but but at the same time, I don't want them to know about the monsters right. or anything. I don't want them to know what's on my side. Right. So we all, I, you know, everyone rolls in the open. I've been using a DM screen lately, and it feels weird to me. Oh, you hadn't used a screen before? No, I do everything out in the open. Okay. Um, usually, you know, have my, my pile of papers in a notebook, and I just yeah. don't let anyone see it. Okay. <laughs> but but I never want to, you know, change a die roll or anything like that, which I still don't, even with a screen. Okay. But I just, I have a lot of props that I want to keep hidden right now. <laughs> <laughs> so uh. let's see. Um... I, I want them to take care of everything, but I'm not going to say, you know, oh, you rolled a 15 to hit. You hit. But I'm not going to tell them what they're looking for, what their number yeah. is. You know, I'll tell them that they missed and things like that. I usually, I want to keep it that way. Sometimes they'll make stealth checks. That's yeah. a good one. Where you as the player, you'll change what you do, depending on whether I tell you if you succeeded or not, on a thing that you should not be able to know that you failed at. Like, <laughs> I sneak down the hallway. Okay, cool. <laughs> like, yeah. I you do that then. Um, but sometimes I wait until a moment happens and then I have them make a stealth check to see if they... If they had, if they did that successfully, yeah. the thing they just did. Yeah. yeah. There aren't too many of those. Stealth is definitely one of them, those kind of solo missions. Um, everything else kind of reveals itself at the moment. Okay. I think there are some times when I'll do like knowledge stuff like, ooh, um, okay, I, I know everything about the nobility. I see this, this uh, you know, crest over here. Shouldn't I know what that's from or whose crest that is or something like that? And usually I make them roll for it, but it happens right then. I think it's rare that I would keep something that secret. Okay, yeah. It yeah. seems like in general, and this matches you as a person, that you're open. That yeah. you want to be as open as you can be. I would be terrible at running like Vampire the Masquerade. <laughs> just say that right now. I would just tell you everything. <laughs> would you ever uh, roll dice just to manipulate the players i've done that (laughs) um (laughs) because sometimes especially well sometimes you do it for a reason right and so i can't you know if i'm just rolling dice every once in a while well i mean that's not good you'll know i'm doing something so sometimes i will it's not very often yeah my other favorite one is okay we're gonna sit down I need everyone to roll five d20s and tell me what your rolls are, and these will come up. <laughs> and then they might or they might not. It's <laughs> just to keep people on their toes. <laughs> yeah, they'll be like, what's that for? Or is it like hidden stealth checks or, or perception checks or something like that? Um, and it's just, yeah, it's just something else. And sometimes I do need that. I, yeah. do, I know someone's sneaking around. I want to find out when someone notices them. But otherwise, it's to keep people off the trail of getting too in their head about the gamification of it and yeah. figuring out, like, looking uh, behind the curtain. And that's a way to say, there's a lot behind the curtain you don't 
No, like I know you, you know, you might be playing with somebody who has the same manual and they think they know which monster it is. So they think they remember the hit point. So mm-hmm. they're getting really into sort of gamifying it. And that's a way to pull it back to <laughs> I'm God and we're telling a story. Yeah, I will tell you just for your own fair warning. Okay. I, I change almost every monster. Like just because okay. I that makes me crazy when uh, when people come up and they're like, oh, hold on describe that one more time it's got orange and white fur okay cool i know exactly what's going on i have all the stats memorized let's go yeah (laughs) this will be easy like if that's my own game suddenly that's not going to be very easy (laughs) okay that's good to know and i'm thrilled to hear that because to me that that's one of those moments that's really makes a difference in into making it a story rather than a game right because if you're playing a game Mm -hmm. like hey great that's a part of playing a game like i don't even know sports that well but recognizing the play that the other side is doing is a legitimate part of playing football. Sure. For example, yeah. <laughs> and saying like, I know how to, they tried that before. I know how to counter that. But mm-hmm. to me, that's not role playing right. To, right. to be able to see the mechanics. Yeah. There are times um, that that comes up, I think, um, you know, uh, what's a good example, like environmental effects, like y- you were trudging through, Uh, a snowstorm or something all right every five minutes i need you to make a constitution saving throw and every time you do you will get one level of exhaustion and here are the you know outcomes for getting certain levels and that gets a little gamey and i don't like it sometimes but it is also a bunch of concrete like consequences that's up to you do you want to stop now yeah you know but that's also something that the character is experiencing they are physically well and that's another thing time where i think players can uh, uh lean too much into the wish fulfillment of Unless you make players feel something grossly uncomfortable they're doing, you, you don't feel it, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, uh-huh. uh, yeah, so I think that's great because it's part of the story you're telling. You, yeah, it, yeah. I have trudged through heavy snow and you do lose <laughs> hit points as you go. <laughs> Believe me, I'm from Minnesota. I lost a lot of hit points. I have trudged through the light snow of Portland. It's a rough deal. I'm with you. <laughs> you, probably, you might have slipped once. Yeah. <laughs> if you found out someone was uh, game mastering your life, how would you feel about that? Would you what? feel relieved? Would you feel angry? Is there a different skill that you would demand to level up in? Oh, my goodness. Okay, well, if they were if they played my style, let's say, yeah, okay, then I would generally expect that the challenges in front of me could be solved <laughs> through <laughs> hard work and cleverness. <laughs> so it would be a sort of a relief. It really would. That would be great. <laughs> like, oh, I could fix this if I think about it. <laughs> I make good choices. I think um, that's a that's a great answer to uh, any wow. any real problem in life. Of like, well, if I discover life is not the way I thought it was constructed, and the universe is organized entirely differently. Well, everything will still be fine if I work hard. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I would totally, like, I've had certain DMs in the past, and if they were in charge, no thank you. <laughs> I will be finding a wormhole as fast as I can. I'm done here. <laughs> we're going to move on to our How Obsessed Are You questions. Uh, you, of course, have answered these questions before, or I, I switched them up a little bit. But okay. do you think about game mastering every day? I, first of all, I want to acknowledge that I am in charge of a group of children who are a captive audience almost every single day. <laughs> As a teacher. And I have to guide them through a series of challenges <laughs> that they do not understand. <laughs> and they have to succeed at the end. So a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So you are really conscious of game master game mastering as a parallel to teaching maybe to many other things in life i think so i think it does it comes up a lot i think a lot of the skills that you learn in game mastering are applicable all over the place like i you know having that that patience to be like i understand that you don't know understand the rule that we're talking about i'm going to help you through it and then you know then i'm going to let you do it like that's a huge deal that's enormous like when do you get to do that in the real world (laughs) see someone who's struggling be able to help them get through it and then have them do it on their own like yeah. that's nuts and yeah that's like just great life instruction right and that's i mean game mastering you get to do that every single time so i i wish that i was thinking about it all the time because i think it would be better at being a just general person okay <laughs> <laughs> who, as long as i knew everything <laughs> going in and i help everyone through it um are there times i don't think about game mastering sometimes but then i think about playing I, I love okay. playing D anD. I don't know if I've given you that impression yet. I love playing D anD. So you like game mastering, but you do like playing as well. So I do. You, you do want to have times where you're like, 
you're you're uh, uh, released from the responsibility and you mm-hmm. can just be an orc or whatever. Yes, and currently I live in Los Angeles. I'm not playing any games and my email will be attached to this if anyone listening has a game. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Hit Richard up yes. to join your game. Uh, how, so you think about game mastering every day because either you're thinking about uh, being a game master, being game mastered, I don't know if that's a good phrase, yeah. uh, <laughs> or applying the lessons to life. Yeah. But how often do you just stare off into the horizon and think about a game that you are working on, that you're building, that you're running? Oh, my gosh. Well, the game I'm running right now, I've been running, it was weekly for a while. So oh, wow. it, was, it was a lot. It, yeah. was, it was definitely, how am I going to engage this person this session? Let's come up with an idea. Okay. And, and so that comes up a good bit. I mean, I'm now at the point where I'm constantly trying to write different things. So okay. that does not help. <laughs> I'm I'm thinking about it almost every day. I think this week as an example, it's been at least an hour a day. Cool. That I've been thinking about uh, I want to make this, you know, this class or I want to write this story or I want to create a magic item for one of my players because I want them to have this cool thing and okay. it fits the story that we're telling right now. Yeah, it's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot. It's good. That's good. It's a very part-time job, but it's a part-time job. (laughs) A joyful (laughs) part-time job. Yes, it is. Uh, Along those lines, have you ever shed actual tears uh, over being a game master? Oh, my gosh. Yes. (laughs) There's uh, there's the tough ones where, you know, I'm volunteering to help at Pathfinder Society or to help run demos at a convention or something like that. And... uh, and I have to do that work, even though I'm doing a fun thing and I want to play and I want to be the person who's having a great time. But I'm actually the one like laying down some rules. And yeah. Making sure we all get through. That can be a struggle sometimes. I did have I had one moment where way back when second edition switched to third edition Dungeons and Dragons. Okay. And <laughs> I had a battle that was coming up and they all knew it was coming. And we had just switched sessions like editions. And I didn't really understand how the rules worked very oh, well. No. Like some new things came up that I was not prepared for. And so my big epic wizard fight turned into like a minute. It was just instant, <laughs> just done, just destroyed. And uh, and at the end of it, everyone was like, well, that wasn't very satisfying. And I was like, you ruined everything. My story, it's all wasted. <laughs> so did you shed actual tears over a one minute wizard fight? Oh my gosh, that was really, really depressing. Yeah, it's really, really hard. It is. And it, you, you know, you get used to that. The fact that the things you create will just be destroyed by your players in an instant and they'll laugh about it. They won't know about your toil. Yeah, but it's a uh, I think I, I know the all the edition wars with Dungeons and Dragons uh, yeah. are a whole thing onto themselves. But I, I would imagine there's that you invest so much time to know the new system and you feel close and you feel like this level of ownership because you've mastered it. <laughs> uh-huh, and then uh-huh. to have that robbed from you, yes. I think it sounds horrible. And a brand new rule. That was really tricky. Yeah. Um, uh, was it a wizard fight rule? It, it was actually, it was one I hadn't really thought of. It was, they added a rule that says, Hey, if you were standing next to me and I'm trying to cast a really complicated spell and you like have a big stick, then while I'm casting it, you get to hit me with your stick. <laughs> Which makes a lot of sense when you say it that way, but it wasn't a rule before that. <laughs> so your epic wizard fight was ruined by people hitting your wizards with sticks? They were all like, oh, you're trying to cast a spell? We stand around you. What are you going to do, wizard? And I was like, I try to cast a spell, and they would just bam, 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 bam. <laughs> that, that does sort of depower a wizard. It was very, very depressing. Yeah. <laughs> and Screw you, third edition. And I was like, maybe I'll just give them an escape of some kind. And they were like, nuh-uh, you can't do it. You can't give them new spells. And that was a that was a very, that uh, was a weird moment yeah. in a game that we, we didn't play for a little while after that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm going to take that as a yes, the story oh, of the yeah, wizard yeah. fight oh, on, the, on the tears. Uh, if someone made a statue, like in a public park, to honor you, and it could be of you doing any number of things, Ooh. would you want the public statue to be of you running a role-playing game? Or would you pick another activity? You know, okay, I'm not going to do this justice. Uh, there's a Gary Gygax quote. Okay. And he said that he wanted to be remembered as someone who enjoyed things and wanted to share those things with other people terrible paraphrase but okay. it's something like that and i have a lot of respect for that quote that's yeah. really really neat so i would not be disappointed in that okay i'm not sure that that is my my uh 
my quality A. I don't know what is though. So <laughs> I would go. I would be fine with that. Um, but you do question whether or not it you want that to be that sort of a, a, a thing that defines your legacy. Yeah, maybe. I think God, it is so good though. It is a really good feeling to run a campaign. <laughs> Have people come back again and again and say, I like the thing we did last week. Let's do it again. Let's yeah. do more of that. That is rewarding. <laughs> yeah, I think it's worth celebrating. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I think so. I I would, yeah, you know, I keep thinking like, would my, would my teaching time be a bigger thing than that? I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe we can get you two statues, but uh, that answer. Oh, wait, hold on. What? <laughs> I didn't know that was on the table. There was I'm, one statue. I'm. I get to GM the this podcast, so sometimes okay. I can just offer or take away extra statues. Cool. But it does answer the spirit of my question about how obsessed you are that you had to give it some thought. That yeah. It, it, is it this or is it teaching? Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. that tells me some stuff. Okay. Would you run a game for a group of people that you didn't like? Just to run a game, like like obviously oh. you had to run it the Paizo thing for whoever walked in the door. Sure, but would you get so desperate if like uh, all of your friends and your partner didn't have time to run a game or do a game with you, and it'd been a while? Uh huh. And you know you met up with some people and just like I kind of think you're jerks, but it's been so long. I need to run a game. Wow. I I've played in that game. <laughs> would I run that game? That's a that's a big question. Wow, because I'm putting myself up for a lot of punishment right yeah, there. Like, yeah. will will what is what am I getting out of this? Is just running a game enough to get me through the four hours <laughs> of probable torture I'm about to get? I I think so. I will definitely say that you know while while I put that forward as like I. I'm here playing a game. There's a bunch of strangers and they all show up. I knew a lot of those people over time okay. and there started to be a few. And I was like, Oh shoot. <laughs> I look at my signups in advance. I know those three people are at my table. I know the people I like have switched tables because of it. <laughs> oh, okay. So you were aware that you were stuck with some problem players. Yeah. Yeah. That it was going to be a tough experience. And so, you know, it was just, well, I can still show them the best time that I can. You know, yeah. I made all these cool maps. Let's <laughs> let's get in here and let's make it happen. And uh, I would say that I have done that. Would I just do it out of the, there was a sense of responsibility there, yeah. I think. So would I just do it out of the blue? That's, that's a, that's a tough sell. It seems like it, it would is. switch from you are running a game, doing this thing you love, to an active challenge. Like, you were talking about how much you uh, strive to make the game good for people, however they choose to play it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it would almost be like, it's not playing the game, it's almost this social science experiment of, can I (laughs) embrace that philosophy and find a way to make this be the game these assholes Mm -hmm. want it to be? I'm going to take these four people and I'm going to teach them the meaning of teamwork. We're going to fight a dragon, yeah. dang it. Now you're a life coach. That's yeah, all yeah. that's happening now. All right. Okay, when you say it that way, it sounds like a lot of fun, actually. It's got to be in the right perspective. All right. Fair enough. If aliens came to Earth and you were appointed to greet them, would you run a game of D&D for the aliens? Oh, 100%. Hold on. Is that the first thing? Is that like they show up and I'm like, have I got a deal for you? I think, uh, since I get to DM this okay. uh, encounter, they land. They are greeted by uh, a president, not the one we have now. Fair. A, a, a half-assed, decent president. Okay. And then he's like, I, uh, he or she says, I want to show you some of our culture. Yes. Sit, sit down and, and play this game called Dungeons & Dragons. Okay, I like this plan. I think... I think it could teach them a whole lot about <laughs> humanity. I really do. Yeah. You know, it teaches us about... There are some weird Dungeons and Dragons stories, but I think stories are important. I yeah. think, you know, they, they really drive why we do certain things. So, you know, if I were to run a session of D&D for aliens, I would want to make sure that it had, we're, we're saving a town. These are heroes that care yeah. and, uh, and want to make this world a better place. I think that is absolutely something that would be worth telling to half of the aliens I've seen on TV. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> is that we have a spirit of cooperation and can make things better, and uh, we like swords and magic that's not very real. <laughs> I want to believe that at some point Vulcans did try to absolutely role play with Klingons. That would be so cool <laughs> to say, "Can we work together?" And then Klingons would probably just try to be like, 
I don't say anything. I kill, I, I kill the squirrel. And the book would be like, what if you try to reason with the squirrel? <laughs> oh, I hope he grew up and adapted. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so, too. Uh, if your friends were transported into a gaming world where they actually could die, oh, would you want to be the game master? Would you step in and say, hey, you have to make it through this fantasy world. Your actual life is on st- stake. I think I'm the one who could help you get through this alive. I would do that. Okay. I would do that. I It might not be the most honest experience because, yes. again, I wouldn't give them a threat they couldn't handle or a challenge they couldn't overcome if they yeah. thought about it a lot. But um, it wouldn't be... If it was like a full sandbox, do whatever you want, and I'm just like throwing stuff together, hoping to help you survive. Yeah. I, I don't know about that. But oh, if, really? If I could railroad some people, <laughs> <laughs> I could guide them, you know, to safety, and I knew that stuff, yeah. that'd be great. They see, the sandbox seems more safe uh, to my mind because you could just make up whatever, right? I guess so, but what if they decided to go that other direction? Right. And I'm not, I don't know what's over there. I haven't thought about it. I haven't planned it. Oh, what if it's super dangerous? Yeah. Okay, yeah. If they just decide to go over to Lava Town, you're <laughs> yeah. like, I can't, I, <laughs> I can't help you, friends who are covered in feathers. You're... I was ready for Teddy Bear Town over here, Cuddle Town. <laughs> you went to Lava Town. You went to Lava Town, you idiot. I even named it Lava Town. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> Try to direct you away from it. Uh, if you had to give up both ice cream and beer for an entire year in order to pay for that year of game mastering, would you give up ice cream and beer? Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I, 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 I'm not disagreeing. I just, I, I, it's nice when somebody's like, yes, of course. Yeah. I, I really like, I like running games and hopefully if I run that many games enough that I can't have ice cream or beer anymore, <laughs> maybe someone will let me play in their campaign too, <laughs> dear listeners. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, here's the last how obsessed are you question. Uh, and now I often ask people about bears. Okay. When you were on last time, you had an actual bear encounter that you told me about, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. So I, I can't... That, you had one of the best bear answers ever, so I'm not going to go to the bear well. I'm sorry. So I'm going to try a new question. <laughs> okay. If the only way you could continue to be a game master was that every year, once a year, you had to fight an angry goose, would you do it? Does the goose live around here? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's flown in. Oh, okay. Um, hmm. Uh, I only ask because like a goose that lives in an area can leave it pretty, pretty messy. Yeah. Because they are gross. <laughs> Gooses are gross. Um, I don't think they're that scary. You know, I'm going to be honest. You I mean, even if goose. they're angry, I think so. I think, uh, I think some good, like waving my arms around a whole bunch and then it would just not understand how to get in with its beak. I don't even think I'd have to be that scary or good at fighting. <laughs> I might be a little overconfident here. <laughs> but I like your confidence. This goes along with our whole, the spirit of our conversation about uh, game mastering and role playing. Like, I could find a solution to yeah. fighting a goose. Yeah. There's got to be a way to do it. And I think if I was presented with the challenge year after year, yeah. I would figure it out. You'd get really good. Yeah. Like, by the third year, you would arrive, the goose would arrive, the goose would take one look at you and just turn and run. That'd be it. Right? And then, <laughs> then I could game master all i wanted exactly i could stand right next to the goose with a stick (laughs) (laughs) no spells goose (laughs) i ask everyone to make a noise to sum up their obsession what kind of noise can you make to sum up your obsession with uh being a game master hmm that was actually that was a pretty good one there's a lot of like i don't know what hmm, what are you trying to do Hmm. (laughs) what should i do about that what what can i come up with as a response um I, I'm going to go with, oh, I'm sorry. Ooh, I didn't see that coming. <laughs> is that communicating uh, what's in your, your soul or is that how you literally express it out loud? I, I think that could be it. I would, I would do that. There, there are moments when I'm very surprised. I, that's one of my favorite things is okay. when a player does something that I, no I was not ready that. for. Yeah. And that's maybe that's they rolled terribly and they're in a bad situation and now it's going to get <laughs> weird or they just decide to do something, cast <laughs> that spell in that way. Yeah. Um, uh, 
<laughs> it's a great noise. I'm all about that noise. <laughs> uh, there was an encounter last night. Oh, my really? most recent DMing experience, and I had a chest that was trapped. Ooh, and they knew it was trapped because I, I knew they would find the traps. They're really good at that sort of stuff. Um, but it was like an explosive runes on top of this this chest. So okay. if, if they were to touch it with their hands, it would explode and like acid goes everywhere. All terrible. They all know that that's how it works. Yeah. The question is, what are they going to do about it? You know, are they going to try and open it and blow one of them up or <laughs> or try something else? And and so uh, there I mean, there were a couple extra hands around. And so someone attached a hand to an arrow and fired it from a distance at this chest to like high five. the yeah. chest, And then it blew up. <laughs> that's great. They uh, they are coming up with some very strange solutions to problems and i really appreciate it <laughs> and did you literally say "Ooh, i wasn't expecting it. <laughs> i was not in any way and then they got in the chest and it was great and story moved on it was perfect beautiful beautiful uh i want to ask you about your obsessed rating uh in honor of the famous d20 let's do a scale of one to 20 <laughs> 20 being the highest one being the lowest what do you think your obsession level is let's see i will say i'm gonna i'm gonna knock myself a little bit I'm not a Gen Con this weekend. <laughs> so not a 20. I, I would have a hard time not putting, I think, all right, I'm going to go with 18. Okay. Given that we are using a keen weapon that has a critical range of 18 to 20. I don't think I'm the best critical hit in the world, but I'm on the list. <laughs> I can't argue with that at all. I think that's perfect. Uh, do you want to do any plugs, any, uh, anything you're working on that you want people to find or, uh, your, your, you have a website, right? I do. Uh, yes. any of that kind of stuff? So you can read a lot of my things on atomicgametheory.com where I post some different game analysis of board games, some role-playing games, things like that. Some video games even, cause I just, wow, there's a lot of games. Yeah. <laughs> um, or let's see, I'm also going to be streaming a game of gosh darn fiasco mm. in the very not distant future. Oh my gosh. I got to start planning that. <laughs> uh, but we're going to be streaming with Saving Throw Show. Oh, nice. So nice. that'll be fun. We'll be on Twitch. Cool. And uh, the website for all that is just, is it your name? Uh, that can be found on, on Twitter at uh, Saving Throw Show or my Twitter, which is just at Armalina. Okay, cool. Yeah, thank cool. you. Yeah, and uh, people in LA can reach out. To play games with Richard, unless you're assholes. We already covered that. <laughs> I already met a group. No. <laughs> <laughs> if you're sitting here listening going, oh, I'm an asshole. Yeah. Well, good. <laughs> good. Good for being self-aware. <laughs> it can be fixed through training and uh, having a game master help you through. <laughs> a kind game master can solve the asshole problem. Here's some quick plugs for this show before our final questions. Uh, I gave Richard a beer when he sat down. I've been asking him so many questions. He, he's barely had time to drink his beer i was giving it up and ice cream <laughs> uh you can follow me on twitter and instagram is at joseph scrimshaw you can follow obsessed podcast on twitter and facebook is at obsessed podcast you can also check out these star wars podcasts that i co-host with ken knapsack and jennifer landa on for that's called force center for info on all my upcoming shows and comedy albums and stuff you can check out my website at josephscrimshaw.com and you can support obsessed by backing us on patreon for full info on that go to patreon.com slash joseph scrimshaw all right here our final weird questions don't have anything to do with anything i'm ready if you could either grow your body to a huge size or shrink to a tiny size which would you prefer this is interesting i've been hearing this a lot and i, I don't have any <laughs> any need for different sizes i don't yeah. think so so given that i don't have a preference for one or the other um i like climbing trees so big You'd be big just so you could get to the top of a tree. Yeah, let's do you it. And after climb up there, you'd just be like, "Oh, that's that's what's at the top of the tree." Yeah, I could check it out. Um, plus, you know, sometimes there are those trees that you just can't get to the lowest branches, and I think those are just genetically unfair. Like, <laughs> so I'm going to climb those trees. <laughs> so you would grow just a little bit yeah. so you could get to the the lowest branch and still actually climb. I'll show nature. <laughs> Richard's a hard worker. He could cheat. He could just get the size of the tree, but instead, just gets to the lowest branch. That's it. If you could replace the Hollywood sign with a different word or phrase, what phrase would it be? And people all over Hollywood, tourists would come, they'd look up, and instead of seeing the Hollywood sign, they would see this. Wow. Oh, wow. I'd want them to take pictures of it all the time. You yeah. Know? So maybe it would still be, well, 
I'd really want it to be a sign that was made out of letters that looked like cats. <laughs> I'm not sure what I'd want it to say, but I think that that would increase its tourist value, is so, if it also looked like a cat. <laughs> if it was the Hollywood sign as we know it, but it was giant cats, like two cats standing up like uh, straight and stretching their paws for yeah. the H, and then a, a third one in the middle... <laughs> Forming the bar of the H and That'd be perfect. Just like that. Or just a couple like like an L that's standing upright and the little cat head is like poking out from behind it. <laughs> this is great. The W is madness. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> All right. Well, now I just want that to be real. That's... We can make it happen. <laughs> we might get arrested. Oh, they probably have guards now. Just they... to stop that stuff. Yeah. Um... Yeah. They 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 try. Pretty hard. Uh, what was it? There was one uh, New Year's where uh, somebody changed it to something pot related. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. So p- people huh. have people have tried to give some more joy to the old Hollywood sign. Wow. Uh, it was Hollyweed. That's what it was. Okay. Yeah. Okay. They changed it to Hollyweed. Uh, so maybe the, those same uh, brave vandals <laughs> will change it to all cats. Oh my gosh! And then be arrested. That's uh, fine. Final question for everyone on the podcast is, what is happiness? Oh. (laughs) Even people who've done the podcast before forget that's coming. (laughs) I don't remember what I said last time at all. Um, Wow. I I really... Okay, this is good. This is still... This is on topic. I think happiness is is doing a thing and doing it well and kind of, you know, the, the... I just love that satisfaction. I don't think that's all happiness is, but that's like a major part of my happiness is yeah. doing a thing, liking it, being happy about just doing the thing. And that could be, <clears throat> excuse me, that could be from the planning side of I took all this time, I planned this role playing game, and then yes. all of these fireworks went off exactly as I expected. Or that could be from the player side of I have no idea what's coming, but I thought to tie a hand to an arrow, uh-huh. <laughs> and it's just in the moment. But either, either way, you did something well. <laughs> Yeah, there was a challenge, and I thought about it, and I made it happen, and it was a little weird, but, it, you know, it worked. <laughs> yeah, just like goose fighting. <laughs> oh, my gosh, yeah. A challenge you can solve. Also, separate answer, cats. <laughs> <laughs> a perfect answer. Thank you so much for doing the podcast. Thanks for having me on. That is our podcast. <laughs> You've been listening to Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest shared some stories with the rest. Rate five stars if you're impressed. Ooh. I didn't expect that.